ask you a fun question on this Mother's Day. Have you ever been let down by someone you love? I told you it'd be a fun question for Mother's Day, but have you ever been disappointed by another person who you trusted? Perhaps it's been in a business partnership or in an athletic team or a colleague at work or, or even a family member. But someone who you assumed was a lifelong friend, a lifelong relationship, and you gave your heart away in hopes that this relationship would continue forever and ever. And then, for whatever reason, the person you trusted was gone. Gone either relationally or professionally or physically or emotionally, but you did not see it coming. It's a horrible thought. And I suspect perhaps all of us have examples going through our mind now of either something that has happened in the past or fears of what maybe could happen in the future. I think um, we all have hearts that can resonate a little bit with Michael Scott's character from The Office when he said, I hate, hate, hate being left out. Whether it's not being picked for a team or being picked for a team and showing up only to realize the team doesn't exist or that the sport doesn't exist. The reality is none of us want to be forgotten. None of us want to be passed over. None of us want to ever have the thought of being abandoned by the people that we love and trust. Isn't that true? Our passage this morning declares that the fear of being abandoned by the one who loves us the most and the one to whom we can give our trust the highest, that fear will never happen. We are going to see this morning that Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, will never leave us. Look back in John chapter 14 and keep your Bibles open there. We will look again this week at the ways in which our lives have been improved by Jesus' defeat of sin. And I, I recognize that improved is much too soft a word. It's radically made new is what has really taken place. Our passage again this morning helps us to see even more though of the blessings which are ours because of Easter. And that is the newness of life that we have in him. In John 14, last week we saw the reality that our unique place in heaven has been prepared for us because Jesus went there and prepared a home that we will have with him forever. We see the primary benefit for us that Jesus would ascend to heaven after accomplishing his work on the cross, though, is that now we do have the Holy Spirit That is, until we go to heaven or until heaven comes here, we have the Holy Spirit with us and the Holy Spirit is alive inside of us. So look back into this scene when Jesus gave these words and put yourself into the shoes of the disciples. Here he was with them, with his friends. He was hours away from his suffering beginning. In a few moments, he will die on a cross, and his suffering will be incomparable to anything that the world has ever seen, as his fate was to receive the wrath of Almighty God for the sin of the world, including our sin this morning. Yet his friends, his disciples, could not grasp the fullness of all that was taking place. It just wasn't possible. But here is what they knew at the moment. They knew that they loved Jesus. Jesus was their friend. Jesus had called them to follow him, and they had said yes. They left their careers. They left their families. They left everything to follow him. And why would they not have? They had seen his power. They had heard his words. They had experienced his miracles. 
And other than Judas, who was there at that moment, they were all on board. In their minds, at least, they were all in with Jesus. They were willing to follow him and trust him as their leader, the one who would deliver Israel. Their entire lives were all in with Christ. But now, something is about to change. Something that they could not access completely, and that was Jesus was leaving. Yes, Jesus was going to die, and he was going to rise again, but then after that, he was going to heaven to prepare a home for them, and they were going to stay on earth, meaning Jesus was leaving them. You can put yourself into their place, their friend, the one for whom they had left everything, And left their old way of life to follow him. The one who had always been with them. The one who no matter the situation understood what was going on. They had given their life to follow him. Simply put, their leader, their friend, their teacher, their God was leaving. And they weren't going with him. It was time for them to say goodbye. And in a sense, it was all over for them. They had no idea in their minds what would take place after their friend left. The sermons, the healings, the miracles, the calling to repentance, the fellowship, the laughter, the friendship. They had to assume it's all over. These past three years had been unbelievable. But if Jesus isn't here, is the whole thing over. Their hearts were wrestling with, have our lives been wasted Are we just confused and lost? Are we crushed? What happens when Jesus leaves? And here we get our message for this morning. And Jesus speaks to their broken hearts and their fleeting thoughts of dismay and desperation and essentially tells them this. Oh no, I'm not leaving in the way that you think I'm leaving. This is not the end of anything. Oh no, my friends, this is just the beginning Of all that you have seen me do, it's not coming to an end. Rather, it will continue in greater ways than you could have ever imagined before. So the question before us this morning is simply this. What does Jesus tell people who feel they might be abandoned by the one who loves them? For the disciples who love Jesus but face the reality that they're not going to see him anymore, or for us, for people who also want to love and follow Jesus, but we don't see him either. What does Jesus have to say for us as we face the fear of being alone or being abandoned? From our passage this morning, I want to take a very, very, very brief look at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, here referred to as the helper. And two ways that Jesus provides us to see the gift of him leaving and us having the Holy Spirit. Two questions this morning for you. First, who is our helper? And then secondly, what does our helper do? Who is our helper and what does our helper do? And my prayer for us, my hope for us, is that our hearts will be overjoyed by the presence of God inside of us who will never leave us. All right, first, who is our helper? Look back at verse 15. And recognize first that before we get actually into the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus does remind his disciples that there is an issue here of obedience. The coming of the Holy Spirit will not make sense without a desire to actually love and obey Christ. 
Loving Jesus requires that we obey Jesus. It goes together in this relationship. So if you this morning desire to obey Jesus, then you will, by definition, be keenly interested in what Jesus came to do and what he's doing now and what he's going to return to do. His purpose has always been connected to the freedom that we have as his people from our sin and from the evil one. His agenda has always been the freedom against sin and the entanglements that come with the devil. So the commandments here are essentially for us to keep believing in everything that Jesus has been saying all along since creation. Don't stop now. Oh, no. Jesus was saying to them, continue to believe in me with more to explain along the way. You see, people who believe in Jesus do not simply have help in this world. Rather, we have a helper. We have a person who is the helper. The disciples are now on the threshold of one of the most amazing doctrines in all of Scripture. And that is, Jesus is going to ask his Father to give to people like you and me a helper who will be with us forever. Please see this morning how special you are if you know Christ. You are so loved that each member of the Holy Trinity is involved to ensure our success in obeying and loving Jesus. The disciples worry about what would happen to them once Jesus left. Jesus' answer was that he would, quote, ask the Father to give you someone who would be like himself. Thus we know the Holy Spirit is a person. Did you know that? A person lives inside of you if you know Christ. Like the Father, like the Son, the Spirit is personal and he is relational. He is not just some mystical force per se, but is a person who we cannot see but yet is alive. The emphasis of the word helper here is that he comes alongside and does the exact same work as the one to whom he helps. Other translations use the word, instead of helper, use the word advocate. And I love that picture. Jesus was telling his friends that, yes, I am leaving and I am going to heaven, but I am leaving someone with you who will advocate on my behalf. That is, he will do the exact same thing I have been doing, and he will live inside of you forever. And as a spirit, he will do in more ways than I could have done if I had remained here on earth. You see, the work of Jesus continues by the spirit of Jesus. When we think of one who does advocacy work, we think in terms of ensuring that the good work that was started would continue to be received by those who need it. I came across this story this week. Uh, it's about President Abraham Lincoln and something that happened during uh, the Civil War. Uh, the internet confirmed that this story is true, so we're going to go with that. Uh, but that the legend is this, is that during the war, there was a Union soldier who lost both his father and his brother in the day of fighting on the same day. The soldier made a request to the military that he would be allowed to leave the army and return home to help his family. His request was continually denied because he could not get access to the right person to ask. But yet the soldier was persistent. 
to the point of showing up one day at the White House to make his request. As security then was different than it is now, of course, the man was able to ask to meet with the president. But there was no one to actually get him in front of the president himself. He continually had no luck. But then a young boy walked past and saw the man and asked him what he was doing. The soldier explained the situation about his brother and about his father, his request to go home to care for his mother. And the child said, oh, well, just come with me. So he grabbed the soldier The soldier followed the child around the corner into another room where President Lincoln was at work. And the child looked up and said, Daddy, this man needs to speak to you. You see what happened? He had an advocate for him who could take him right to the place of authority. Abraham Lincoln's son could have access into the office to make the request. Do you see who lives inside of us? The Holy Spirit is an advocate for Jesus himself. I love this picture. The one who helps us is doing the work of Christ. So here's the picture for us. Jesus has gone to heaven. That is where he is. And there this morning he is pleading to his father for our sake. The Holy Spirit is here now on earth with us pleading for us for Christ's sake. What does the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all desire this morning? It is for us to love Jesus and to obey him with all of our hearts. That is the work of the Trinity today. Jesus as our high priest in his earthly body in heaven prays to the Father for us even this morning. And his advocate, the Spirit, dwells inside of us, compelling us to trust Jesus with our full heart. Make no mistake, look at verse 16. When Jesus asked his Father for us to have this helper, the Father will never say no to the Son regarding this request. You can be confident this morning, this prayer has been answered This helper who dwells inside the lives of them all who know Jesus now is doing inside of our lives the same thing Jesus did when he was on earth. What did Jesus do on earth? He befriended, he served, he loved, he prayed, he healed, he spoke, he wept, he shared, he cared, he led. Our helper is doing the exact same thing. Remember, the fear for the disciples that evening was that their life of faith was coming to an end. That Jesus was leaving and now it was all going to be over. But now, if the Spirit is inside of us and he is advocating for Jesus, guess what that means? It means that Jesus' leaving wasn't the end of our lives of faith. Rather, it was the beginning of our lives of faith. He is still at work inside of us today. And of all that this means with the helper inside and alive inside of us, we now have Jesus at work doing what Jesus cares about. Not only has Jesus not abandoned us, he has now equipped us to do supernatural things. That's a sermon for another day, but it's true. Christian, there's one thing that will always be true. You will never be alone. 
You cannot be. You will not be. Verse 16, God's spirit will be with you forever. Whatever hurt you experienced this morning, whatever pain you were going through this morning, may this be your message for you today. You will not be abandoned. Know this, Jesus' advocate is alive inside of us. He has not, he would not ever leave us as an orphan. All right, that's who the reality of our helper is. Now let's consider, secondly, what does our helper do? And again, we are barely scratching the surface of the work of the Holy Spirit. But let's consider this this morning. For today, notice verse 17. And I want to highlight just one aspect of the helper's work. Jesus referred to him in this passage as the spirit of truth. Meaning our constant advocate is always doing at least one thing in our life. He is always leading us to his truth. And the world cannot accept that. The Holy Spirit is always working in our life to cause us to love that which Jesus loves. Our lives are constantly being conformed to match the heart of our Savior by the Spirit persuading us to see with the eyes of Jesus everything inside of this world. Yes, this is a mystical reality and we cannot reduce his work to mere formulas which are predictable. However, we know for certainty the helper will always work in conjunction with one thing. And that is God's holy word. Take your Bibles, if you have them still open, and turn over two chapters to John 16. I want you to see here how God's word and God's spirit always are together. Look at John 16, verses 12 through 15. Jesus said this. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What is the Holy Spirit doing this morning? He is continually showing you Jesus. All that Jesus knows, all that Jesus loves, all that Jesus cares about, that's what's going on. Do you understand why we read the Bible? <laughs> why we preach the Bible? Why we declare the truth of the Bible? I learned this practice in prayer years ago. Our former, former senior minister was a man named John Sartell. Many of you all never met him. But he prayed before every single sermon the exact same prayer. And he said this. He said, Lord, I cannot change a single heart here this morning. So will you be our teacher? What does that prayer mean? What it means is simply this. I can stand up here and be entertaining or be boring. Either way, the only way that your life will be changed spiritually will be if God's Spirit does the work. As I was preparing for the sermon on Friday afternoon, I received a text uh, from my daughter, Sarah. 
uh, she's a senior at UK, and uh, she was uh, uh, at the RUF summer conference down in Florida for last week, and they returned yesterday. But she texted me, and I was literally working on this very point, and she said this, uh, again, at an RUF conference, said, I'm at a seminar. Did you know Mary Magdalene was confused when she saw Jesus after the resurrection, thinking he was a gardener? Adam, in the book of Genesis, was called a gardener, but Jesus was called the true and better Adam. End of text. One second later, an additional text. Isn't that so cool? And I literally thought, that's what this passage is saying. The Spirit of God is constantly showing us more and more and more of Jesus. From Genesis and Adam all the way through Scripture. I don't think Sarah had any idea who that preacher was, and it didn't matter. But rather, it was the Holy Spirit showing more of Jesus to one of his children. So if you believe this morning that Christ died, that Christ rose, that Christ is coming again, even if your faith is weak today, celebrate God's grace that his helper is alive inside of you. That his desire is to bring you closer to Christ. And your desire will continually grow in obedience to him. You see, we have the remainder of the New Testament to see more of the ways that the Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus' desire for us on earth. But from this passage, notice at least a couple of things that are true for us if we have the Spirit inside of us. First notice, Christians are going to believe things that the rest of the world do not. John uses the word world here to describe all those who do not believe God's message. Thus, we have incredible promises of hope. We have incredible promises of deliverance. But simultaneously, there will be those all around us who do not believe. But also those who think that we are wrong on all kinds of issues. Are you prepared for that? It's a promise. But also notice, the spirit of truth inside of us again proves we are not alone. That's what the disciples needed to hear. You see, as we read, Julius read from Jeremiah 31, God is writing his law upon our heart, but he's doing it with a person. The person of the Holy Spirit is conforming, changing, growing, and shaping you. You're not alone if you know Christ. The transformation from our loneliness and fear into an ambassador of Jesus who is strong in our faith is being done by a person, a person who is our helper. He is with you. Who is your helper this morning? It's God's Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. What does our helper do? He shows us Jesus, the person who loves and prays for us again and again and again. You know this morning that the disciples indeed feared being left alone. That was their fear. They were scared. They were afraid that they might just be abandoned. And they would be abandoned by their friend. And we've seen though that that did not happen and that could not happen. However, that did happen to the Lord himself. When he needed friends, they all scattered. When he needed help, there was no one there to help him. 
And when he called to his father in agony hanging on the cross, his cry was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The church be reminded this morning because he was abandoned. Our sin is gone. Our shame is removed. Our community is now with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it is secured for all of eternity. Jesus was abandoned. So that we never will be. Joni Erickson Tata, the quadriplegic who has tasted the hurt of a broken and fallen world and the loneliness which comes as someone who is permanently uh, living in a wheelchair, she said this about this topic. She said, Yes, people and circumstances will leave you hanging, but it is impossible to be left alone because God will have. None of that. We're never alone. Amen? Amen. Pray and so that the Lord would prepare us to come and feast around his banqueting table. I will pray and then transition us to the Lord's Prayer. Father, we thank you because of Christ, because his defeat of death because of his imminent return and because of this helper that that he has given to us, we are not alone. We cannot be alone. You would never allow that to take place. We praise you that this is true. Now, Father, as we come to the table, remind our hearts afresh of your promises to us. And, oh God, we pray as your son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.